Oh, I got his ass now. My bottle got stretched a little bit. You have to be fast in the track. I'm, a, I'm about to light this shit up. Hello, Corbin Sherrard! Corbin Sherrard getting it dead right now! McGrath running How about that for an oh, intro right there? Oh, there he is. That's a good one. That's pretty solid, isn't it? That was it? a good one. Yeah. Couldn't find the uh, Mike Redman one, but that's going to have to do. Have to do. Show 47, Corbin Sherrard. This is a big one. You know, like, this is, he's a banger. This is a banger. Yeah, this he's is a one. banger. We have been... People that know, we know, they know we've been trying to get him on for a long time now. So this is huge. Dude, I, I, he's so good. He's, yeah, he's a legend in the sport. Like just from he, the way he rides to obviously his results. Um, I think we got a lot to talk about because he's such a quiet guy that I don't think people know a lot about him. And I think he's got a cool story to tell. I mean, you would know, I guess, a little bit of a story since you got to grow up racing him. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. You, Connor, him, I know grew up racing on the USA BMX series, uh, formerly known as ABA series. But yeah, you guys had some iconic battles by the sounds of it. So uh, I look forward to hearing your guys' kind of story about all that. Yeah, the first time I raced him, I think was we were nine years old at a Gold Cup in Prim, Nevada, I think. So okay. We raced him when we were nine right. years old for the first time. What was that? that I, was, why is Siri on the podcast? That was Siri, guys. Sorry, Siri <laughs> wanted to join the podcast. She's getting excited. So I've known him since we've known each other since we were kids and our birthdays are a couple days apart. So we've literally raced each other like every single races of our lives growing up since we were nine years old until obviously I stopped racing. And so yeah. our entire lives, that's insane. Yeah. That we is, had so, so many cool. good battles as kids and then we had good races in elite too. Yeah. It's cool. He's that's, had, yeah. he's obviously had a really successful career in amateur and uh, an outstanding career in elite as well. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So gotta give a shout out to the sponsor of the show. Progate Europe. We all know winning starts with a great gate. Corbin. Who are they? Who? Who? <laughs> Corbin's had some great gates. Great gates on some Progate Europe. So he won world champs on a Progate Europe. Where do you think his best pro? Oh, I bet his best gate was in Rock Hill. Yeah. I mean, he he's consistent as hell there. Yeah, he is. Like last World Cup, he almost. Oh, he's so he was fast one, there. The one win off of going like a perfect weekend. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's really quick there. Maybe it's because the Progate Europe's there. Maybe. Maybe he goes, he rides right, right. He goes right, he? right. Yeah. Oh, that's why he likes you it. You got to go same pedals yeah, there. Screw you guys. That hill's not to standard. We should never race in that hill. You got to go standard. But I like, I like the track so we can keep racing there. Um, Okay. Before we get into Corbin, there's a, a worldwide crisis we got to talk about first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not laughing matter. But COVID-19. Like, holy shit. It's shit. Hit the Stuff's fan. getting real. Yeah. Like it's getting like chaotic now. It's getting to the point where I'd call it chaotic. NBA season stopped. Uh, Trump's banned travel from Europe to the U.S. for a month. Freaking stuff's getting canceled everywhere. Like the Seattle Supercross got canceled. Yeah. Um, NCAA's are going to go without uh, anyone in the stands. Nuts! Holy Tom, shit! Tom Hanks got it. Yeah, Tom. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks and I think his wife—they're both tested positive. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's wow. crazy, dude. We're, I feel like we're living in a movie. How, what do you think is going to happen moving forward? Like, are, are things just going to stop? Is the world going to stop going around? Like, are people going to, I don't know, just lock themselves <laughs> down in their house? So like Italy is on lockdown right now because, well, obviously because the the virus. But my sister teaches elementary school there. And so her and her boyfriend came home two weeks ago. Thank God they came uh, home. Yeah, no kidding, to get out of there. And it's good they did because now they wouldn't be able to leave. Yeah, they'd be screwed right and now. Apparently, you can only leave your house to go to the grocery store or the hospital. And the grocery store only let a certain amount of people in at a time so they don't have a bunch of people like interacting. Wow. Or like, you know, yeah, close yeah, yeah. proximity. 
That's insane. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. Oh my God. I would hate to be in that situation where you're just trapped basically. Dude. I'm scared that we're going to be put in that situation too, but yeah. this is, it's crazy. I, I, it like, it's happened so fast. We've talked about it and like, it is serious. Yes. But I think I, I truly believe that people are, we're going a little crazy about it because of like how big social media is nowadays. Like the word spreads like wildfire. So it's like, if you look back in the day to some of the old viruses, like they were just as bad or worse or something, but people didn't know about it at the time. They, we only know about it after the fact. And nowadays we know about it as it's happening. What are you talking about? They don't know about it. As, well, as like if happening. you look way people back. People are dying. I think they know what's happening. Well, okay. Yes. But back then let's look like I'm talking like way the hell back <laughs> when they didn't have social media. Like you don't know what's going on in countries around the world. No. Yeah, nowadays point, we yeah. know what's happening no, stuff on spreads the opposite instantly. side of the world. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Um, but so. yeah, it's crazy because it's just so unknown. Yeah. Like even scientists, like they kind of estimate the death ratio and stuff, which I've read is a 3.4%. Could be wrong. But that's what I've read. So every thousand people, 34 people die. That's scary. That's that's a lot. It's really scary. That is a lot. Yeah. And the f- we were talking about what was it? The flu was what you one say? I just we I did the math because what I was reading. Okay, what? people, if this isn't right, don't just you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're I, just we're telling what we saw. I, I've been trying to look it up on different websites. I've heard people say the flu is 0.5% death rate. This was saying it's 0.1%. So if per a thousand people, one person die. And then COVID-19 is 3.4%. So per a thousand people, 34 people die. Wow. Which is yeah. really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of shows ago, I said the Olympics, there's no way it wasn't going to be canceled. It's going to be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> you take it back. I'm thinking I'm now, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think there's no way it's going to go on. Okay. I think there's no chance. Yeah. I mean, like, it's actually pretty black and white thinking, but I think it's, I it, think it, it the is Olympics white, aren't, yeah. aren't going to go on now. I mean, if anybody has a system to like take care of it, I feel like Japan would have that system because they're just always ahead of the times with technology. How but can they though, with so many people coming from around the world and, and then in close proximity, that's just a recipe f- for shit yeah. to spread. Yeah, you're right. You're bringing people from all over the world to very close quarters yeah. and contained in a little area. A very tight area. So you're going to be crammed <laughs> into the village. That's literally the, the, the like what the viruses want true that's how they spread that's how they're yes. gonna get around yeah so i'm thinking a world cups aren't gonna go off either that's gonna be the interesting part where like i know there's already been a race is canceled in argentina there's bmx races canceled there yeah um there's mountain bike races the continental champ mountain bike race in peru has been canceled i think or wherever that one is so i'm thinking manchester doesn't go off but i'm thinking the european world cups don't go off that's what i'm thinking honestly you think the uci does what some of the sports have done and just go no fans you think that's a possibility? Mm. Is that a chance? Well, uh, they could. Con- Connor can't fly to Europe right now. Oh, so the, they can't fly to Europe either. I thought it was just Europe's flying, Europeans flying into the U.S. Okay, it's probably Europe to the U.S., but if Connor goes to Europe, he can't fly. Home. He's not going to be able to fly home. Well, shit. Or at least, or I, I was just talking to Connor, so I that's oh, the first yeah. person I thought yeah, of. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I don't know why I didn't. The think Americans that through, can't go yeah, to once Europe. Once they go there, they can't get back. No. So oh, shit. the Italians are in lockdown. <laughs> oh. The Italians are in lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, I already figured. Yeah, they're stuck. They're uh, screwed. How can you run a World oh, Cup? So get sorry, you're right. The chi- okay, so get this: the China team, the China athletes, they were in Houston. Okay, so it turns out when they went to Australia, they couldn't go home to China because if they went home, they couldn't leave. So they wanted to do the races in Europe. So they're like, okay, we have to go somewhere. <laughs> Show so they, goes on, baby. So they're like, we're gonna go to Houston. We're just gonna stay there till you're on a six month tour. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. No, that's smart. I mean, yeah, yeah, but that's what's happening. Like, yeah, people are getting trapped. So. Yeah, I don't think the World Cup's going to go off in Europe. What do you think? Uh, I don't want to be the guy to say they aren't because I really want them to have. No, your opinion um, though. Like, what do no. you th- what do you think? 
my opinion is I think they're going to go off and they're going to happen. No, oh, crap. See, I was going to say I think they're going to happen. The most that's going to happen is we're not going to have uh, any like fans, really. So it's going to be no change. It's the same as normal. Same as normal. <laughs> so, pretty much same as normal. But now that you're reminding me that if the Americans, let's say, fly to Europe, they can't fly home, Where the, that's yeah. going to make a big difference. So they're not going to go. Like That's different now. I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if you can have a World Cup when countries can't come because yeah, how is that fair? You're right. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, a lot of points and whatnot. How's that? Yeah, that's a tricky situation. I think there's Very like rules tricky. in China where, like, back in the day, I heard that some of their athletes could leave for like two trips a year or one or two trips a year, but then they couldn't leave again. But obviously, that's the country saying that. That's not like the worldwide web saying that. But if you're the UCI and some of your countries can't come for Olympic points because of issues beyond the sport how i don't know how you i don't know like i, I actually i'm not saying they should do something or not i just don't know how like fuck what do you do i don't know <laughs> what yeah, do you do i guess we just you got to just wait and see well it's gonna be kind of ridiculous if every sport stops and then bmx like, nope we're going baby yeah it would be really like at the i don't know i don't know but i don't know if about it so. so far it seems like it's only the major sports like it's the sports in the stadiums that are being shut i know down. but manchester's a stadium with thousands of people it's not that many people <laughs> it's not Dude, there's more than i like, know it's like five thousand people but it's like that's a lot of okay people. so in just terms the, of a virus not in terms of attendance yeah, for yeah. tv but in terms of virus dude so maybe that one we don't allow spectators <laughs> maybe that one we don't but i'm just saying like it's like right now it's baseball stadiums it's no i know stadiums. but travel in general like we go yeah. back to the americans they can't go to europe yeah you're right there you go just think about all you got to do is go back to that how far it's escalated in the past couple weeks and that's Manchester's over a month away. So like, here's fuck, yeah. where are we going to be at in a month? Here's what I'm saying. The whole world, we go in lockdown for like a good month and a half. Maybe, maybe <laughs> more. What do we you mean just, by lockdown? Because I want to play golf still. Like, I mean, like you stay within <laughs> your own country and do what you want, but you stay within your own country. I think the golf course is okay. Yeah, you're safe on the golf course. I'm outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think we just go in lockdown. We all hang out in our own countries for a bit, you know, have some fun, train, play some golf, ride some bikes, and then let it pass. I know. I was going to go <laughs> see Savannah next week, but I don't know. We're we're not sure if I should now. Yeah, that's tricky. Because what if you go there and you can't leave? I know that's not, I didn't, that's not I, a thing right My mom's now. like, what if you go and then you get sick and you got to stay in a U.S. hospital there? Not the hospitals in the U.S. are bad. I'm just saying because I'm not American and if I get stuck there, it's not. That would suck. I mean, I'm in San Diego with Savvy, but yeah. like it's not ideal. Yeah, it's not. It's not. So it's no. like, yeah. And obviously, same thing. If Here's the thing. If I get sick, I don't want to be, like, I just, by not, not wanting to be in the U.S., I just mean I don't want to be in another country as a Canadian citizen if I'm really sick. Cause yeah, that's fair. It's just not and a you good situation. freaking insurance companies and just, at the end of the day, oh, it's, it's just going to be a mess. What it's if I'm quarantined and fucking... And the amount of people that are going to be oh, doing the same boy. thing, like, it's just going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. think about it. There's so many people in the U.S. that if it gets, you know, like, if it infects more, there's way more people in the U.S. than Canada. So it's yeah. hos- like... Those hospitals will be so full. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. I Plus, I, I don't want to give it. I mean. You don't want to give it to somebody. No, of course not. That's the scary part, too. So, yeah, I don't think the Olympics are happening this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly think the this World is- Cups in Europe aren't going to happen. I don't know about the Worlds. <laughs> I don't know about the Worlds or not. That We'll have to see. But I don't think yeah. the World. I don't think Manchester is going to happen. Okay. I don't think the Olympics are going to go off this year. I think the Olympics will be next year. This is Terry's bold prediction. Once a show, Terry gives us. I was so opposite like two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Terry's bold prediction. Terry's bold prediction. The Olympics are not happening. Hashtag Tokyo 2021. Hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll be a first. Dude, I got another year to come back for it. You're good. You got Got another year to train. Get back on the bike. (laughs) (laughs) Terry's making a comeback, people. Do you you think the Olympics are going to go off? I'm optimistic. I say yes. 
But realistically, if you were to, if you were to bet, if you were to bet ten thousand dollars and you had to bet it, why you gotta do this to me? Because if, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to put you okay. on the spot. Ten thousand. How much? I got ten grand of your own, of your own money, and you gotta you have to bet one. Gun to your head, you gotta be, got you gotta bet it's going off or it's not. Um, I'm honestly betting it gets delayed. Yeah, I don't know when it gets delayed. Too, it gets delayed. Because I wonder if they could delay it to like the fall and then reevaluate. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the weather's like there, and I don't know if you can re like just reevaluate and then put it to that close after. Like I feel like this is like you need longer, like more advanced notice. It's gonna. It's it gonna be next year. Delay. Yeah, it's probably gonna be next year. Holy shit! How's that gonna change, prep? Eh? <laughs> so we just got a huge building block. So like, or? what what happens? Like, mm-hmm. do you just the World Cups are we're gonna go? Like, what happens if you get if the World Cups go off and then the Olympics is canceled? Do you just halt all points for a year and just say, okay, you erase whatever. All the points are set. Hmm. That's a great. You can't really add a full other year of Olympic qualifying. I don't, I don't think, know. Can yeah. you? I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a protocol for the situation. No, you probably can't add a full other year because it's already, you probably have to be like, okay, points are set. Olympics got, are in a year. You got what you got. If you're on the team, you're yeah. on the team. If you're going, you're going. I think you'd have to do qualified. that. I think you would too. Okay. Scenario B, the World Cups don't go off and the Olympics happen. You just take what you got until that point. I, think it's, pretty, what you I got. think it's pretty simple. It's like you just basically take whatever you got from the races before. I think that's the only option at the end of the day. Because if it's going to happen, you need you can't just like what double points from a race or cancel all the points. You got to take what you got. Scenario C. <laughs> <laughs> Olympics C. go to next year. Graph, hold on, buddy. <laughs> hold on, graph. It's like one more. It's like one more year, buddy. Yeah, you said twelve more, but you know maybe you just don't do a few races. You know, <laughs> hang on, buddy. Thirty-one's <laughs> the new twenty-five. <laughs> That's oh, gonna that so that would really affect guys like Graf or even like Connor Sylvan guys my age, right. Joris I think it could, guys yeah. that are year older than me. I mean they're not old, but another year's a big difference. Yeah, I think like people like Graf who've said they were gonna stop at a certain point. I mean you're right that could affect them. I don't know. I think someone like Joris, he seems like he's been in it for the long run. Um, I don't know what is. We haven't talked to him in a while. We need to get him on. A year though is a long time. It is a very long time. It is a yeah. really long time. Yeah. So just World Cups don't go off until then. So all the Olympic points are set. And the Olympics doesn't go off. So all the World Cups go off. Everyone gets their points. Blah blah. blah. Yay! Going to the Osho. Ha. Whatever. Everyone get. Everyone's set. Okay. Boom. No Olympics <laughs> until next year. So then you have a full year. So everyone just races what USA BMX until then. Yeah. I I think that's fine. Yeah. The pre-Olympic race is Oldsmar. Now it'd yeah. be like fucking. I don't know. You'd be going to like Salt Lake City in July. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, probably. I mean, it's not a bad thing. You could still do the World Cup no, next year for no points. It would be. It wouldn't be a bad. And then when you do the you do the World Championships again, like in May. Yeah. And yeah. just ha- and it's just the World Championships means it, no I mean, it's Olympic a World Championships. Yeah, yeah, no. no Olympic points. Yeah. No, it's no Olympic points, but it's still World Championships. Yeah, that sounds fun. Let's, yeah. Fuck, that'd be wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, there's yeah, few scenarios, but one of them's probably gonna happen. Which one do, would you pick? Um, I'd pick cancel the World Cups, race the Olympics when they're supposed to be. Reason being, because then at least the people that are going, they just have more time to train. I mean, yeah, you're not getting your racing in, but hey, whatever. You get the Olympics done when they're supposed to. I mean, that stuff I think is most important. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? By then it might be contained. That's what, well, yeah. We don't know how long it's going to take to contain. So if we had to cancel all the World Cups, it gets contained. We run the Olympics with no hiccups or anything. Boom, you're good. Back to normal after that. 
And then maybe we have so much time at the end of the year, maybe they reschedule the World Cups. Hello, new idea. World Cups this Where's fall. Where's the Staples button? That was World's easy. World Cups this fall. Yeah, we don't have any World Cups. Where's the you fall. shitting me one? Are you shitting? Are you me shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Staples Easy button? We need a Staples Easy button one. That'd be something. Yeah, there we go. We could do it. That'd be cr- How did, dude? I don't know what's gonna happen. I'd be really, I really <laughs> bummed. I really want to go to the World Cups. I honestly, I don't want there to be. Hiccups. They're not gonna. Ha- they're not gonna happen. The U.S. can't go. They're not gonna. We've happen. been talking about this for twenty minutes. <laughs> we could talk about it for another hour. Probably. I know. They're not. Yeah. I don't think the World Cup's gonna go off. I think the Olympics gonna be are gonna be postponed, and I think there's gonna be World Cups again this winter and early next year, and the Olympics will be next year. Terry's bold predictions. Yeah, I think so. All right. I hope it ain't so, but I hope it ain't so either. We'll we'll wait and find out. We're That'd just be unprecedented. Unprecedented. Yes, it would. It would be the first time in history, I think, too. Hold off on that peak, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hold the taper, guys. We had to hold the taper. Put it on ice for a year. <laughs> <laughs> New building block, yeah. Um, Next thing. Go for it. Which Okay, so we had a couple discussion topics. I want to throw this one in. I had uh, a parent message me talking about the younger kid. Um, kind of it sounded just a little disappointed with the support they were getting from the national team. Um, this was within Canada. So they were a little disappointed with the support they were getting from uh, basically Cycling Canada. And I was a little confused by the situation, and I thought I'd just bring it onto the show, maybe to bring some awareness to uh, some of these parents, I guess, that maybe just don't know the situation. So I think by the sounds of it, she was frustrated that there was no support for the younger riders. Well, I think what people got to know in Canada is we don't really have support even on the national level. (laughs) So how do you expect (laughs) us to support the younger kids when we don't even have support on the national level? It's like we, especially at this time of year, when it is an Olympic year, I mean, most countries are going to put their, the funding that they do have into their national team riders and national team athletes logical because it's Olympic year. Yeah. And then as soon as those pass, then yeah, you start putting your funding into the development riders after the fact, because then you're trying to get ready for the Olympics in four years again, basically. So when you're looking at your riders right now and you're looking for support, where do you think they're like, how do you expect them to get support when we as national team riders don't have support ourselves and your kid who's not, I mean, not junior elite, not going for Olympic spot yet wanting support like it just it doesn't make sense i don't know i'm just trying to bring awareness it's like i think at that age you need to be looking for support from the provincial level not the national level i think there needs to be like in federations in general there should be a good like uh junior devo setup yeah i think we have that for kids that aren't junior but you need because kids need to be id'd young yeah i think we've done a pretty good job at that lately yeah i think so too cup series we have the junior devo i think so too yeah and then that gives them a platform to race against all the the riders that are at the top let's say in the country around their age so then when they get to the junior elite level they already know what it's like they're not just racing the same two kids all the time at every age race whatever yeah there needs to be a good system because when i came through as a kid i just was doing really well and just kind of made it work and figured it out but that's not a sustainable system. That's, there's yeah, there's no system. That's not sustainable. You right. might just get the one-off person that can do it, but yeah, there needs to be a good like uh, talent ID and some coaching at a young age to ingrain good habits. And I think I would have been better. I think if I would have had that growing up, if I would have had someone help me with form and technique growing up, because I had nothing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I think like I think I think that starts at the provincial level for us. Yeah, and then you race the junior devos. When you get to the junior elite level, you're still on the provincial teams. But that's when you start looking for the national team support. Yep. Not at the younger ages, but yeah, yeah. you get, should get on the national team when you're junior, probably. Yeah. Be on the div- there could be like a national Devo team before that. Yeah, like we have Poland like a, does that. We have a development team on the national. Like yeah, Canadian development yeah, I team think it's too. really good. Yeah, that probably been pretty good. I thought. Canada. Ours is pretty good. Like yeah. I mean, the funding in Canada in general isn't very good. But yes. 
that's that's but that's amazing. across all sports really it's not amazing our country's too big we have too many athletes it's hard to support them all we're a small and like it's we're a summer sport our country isn't a summer country at the end of the day no that's true and sorry guys i didn't win a medal in rio so we didn't get like yeah, so <laughs> just blame tori <laughs> but yeah like they that's real our funding's going under because we haven't lived up to your i think they generally also they look at um i think they probably look at olympic medals one and um whatever sport too you know like i'm sure that i don't know how it works but i, I would guess that's probably a big factor yeah and i mean if we're not showing that we have the capability they're not going to put money into it all the time you need to show you have some ability to get those results and then they'll start to help it and think about the big programs that do really well swimming and track and field and all the winter sports they would probably get the majority of the funding i would think yeah I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. Swimming has like a million events they can win a medal in. So yeah, <laughs> and Canada's really strong in winter sports. Yeah, honestly, like yeah, like yeah. we talked about, we are. Yeah, we're, we're a winter, winter country, country in general. Jinx, yummy soda. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, yeah, Corbin Shira. Corbin Shira. Is Chirac. he ready to come on the line? Uh, he is. What's your first memory of Corbin before we get into it? My first memory of Corbin. Mm, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, so I grew up watching you. Connor and Corbin like race all the time. Those are mm. the people I looked up to. And I would watch these videos of you guys online all the time. And it was like mainly videos like people would make for Connor and Corbin because they're the US kids. Yeah. So obviously you'd be in them though. And I would just watch the battles you guys had. So that's what I would always remember is like when I hear so Corbin. good. Yeah. And it was so always good. like it was Corbin on Redmond. It was him just flowing around with his jersey hanging loose. And then it was Redmond just going to so and like like people every know. race, yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that when I was younger. I can imagine because no. <laughs> he would he would win like everything. He'd win everything. Yeah. That's crazy to hear. Yeah, because like I guess I didn't know the younger ages really, but when I saw you guys, you guys were always like duking it out. It was always like yeah, we were later three. Like when I was, we were 15, 16, 17, 18. Okay, we kind of went back and forth a bit more, but up before that, Corbin won almost everything. So then yeah. I won the worlds in two thousand seven in Victoria at home, and that was the first mm-hmm. time I probably beat him in. I don't even fucking know, like a year probably. Really? Straight up. I don't know, a year, year or two years. I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah and that was crazy. when I was 15. Then I won the Grands that year as well and beat him again. But So those were two huge things. Not even, obviously winning those two races was really big, but just the yeah. fact that I beat him because I probably hadn't, I don't even know the last time I would have straight up whole shot and beat him before that. Years yeah. probably. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he dominated. Like dominated he, me. Was he bigger than you guys when he was younger? Yeah, he like was. Real quick? He was and he was just so good. Like, yeah, he was just so good. But by the time we got 15, 16, 17, 18, I got stronger and we were closer. Yeah. Yeah. As it goes, I guess. When yeah, kids, we could, you know. had some good battles in junior and stuff too. Yeah. But generally, he still won still won the majority of the time. Okay. Yeah. He was a, he's a killer. I mean, his riding style was so smooth. Like He's fucking unbelievable. All the time. Yeah. Like, he's crazy. He is the smoothest BMX rider in the world. We got to we got to touch on a few things when we talk to him. One of them I want to find out. I heard at This the, is going to uh, be a long show. People. It's going to be a long show. It's going to be a long show. At the uh what track was it? It wasn't Chula Rio. I think it was Chula Rio. When they first built Chula Rio up, he like smoothed out like a foot wide path or whatever. Yeah, went on his flats on his clip pedals yep. and jumped the pro set to test his, it out. His times pedals. And that thing was huge. That's exactly what he did. That's insane. Yep. All right. People can barely get around that in the best of days. Seriously though. Yeah, seriously. All right, I'll give him a call. Twenty seventeen world champion. How many World Cups has he won? He's won a bunch. Won a bunch. Who's been World Cup champion? World champion. Olympian. Not a bad resume. Corby Delastero. Corby Rockhill. He's, he's gonna be Hello. Corby, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, hello, what's up? What's up, Corbin? Not much. Are you at home right now? Yes. 
How are how are daddy duties these days? <laughs> They're fun, man. It's um gosh, we're at the point to where the kid is cruising everywhere and just um learning stuff so fast and yeah, he's getting fun and to where he can kind of do whatever, do his own thing and and kind of find what he likes to do. So, super cool. I think it's really cool you've been able to bring him to so many races. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's um gosh, we're trying to get him everywhere we can before he turns 2 and we got to pay for flights. So, <laughs> Oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz right now he goes the on the lap, huh? Like, yeah, I was like get him get him everywhere cuz we don't have to pay for him. So, Smart. Yeah, he's a he's a world traveler for sure, and um, not like he's gonna remember it, but <laughs> yeah, it's cool to have him there for sure. Yeah, you must love having having him at the races and coming home to him after. Yeah, yeah, because it's I mean it's different when I mean when I take off by myself and he's not there. It's yeah, it's a it's a different feel, and it's just it's cool to have him there and um, just to just to have him there every day. It's it's kind of a bummer to miss days, and I mean when they're so young, just because things change so fast to. Um, kind of be there every day and see what see what he does new and see how how he enjoys everything and and he really enjoys the sport of bmx with this which is i mean not crazy because it's what i do but <laughs> his daddy's okay at it <laughs> yeah yeah not even that just um just yeah that he enjoys the bike and kind of going around so much and yeah i guess he's just used to it he's just been doing it since he was literally born so That's he's cool. he's used to it yeah, it seems like it's like um, I was gonna say I came over. I was gonna say no, but yeah, I think it'd be tough to train with a kid at that age. Is that like a? Have you had that many issues with that? Like having a baby, having to try to train, and like obviously, I don't know, put him in daycare. Um, or it was it was harder when he was young. Like when I mean before he could, like when he was crawling, I would say probably, like six to like nine months. I think was the toughest for me because he could kind of like crawl and roll and kind of move a little bit, but he couldn't do his own, like he couldn't do his own thing. Like you always had to watch him and he's at the point now, like I can, I'll take, I can take him to the sprint spot. I can, um, I have a, I have a gym at home in the shop and I just take him in there and I can just, he, I can let him go and he does his own thing and kind of just have to keep an eye on him in between sets or between sprints. And he's kind of, on his little quad or he's doing whatever he wants to do. So at this point it's not bad. It's, it was like when he was just rolling around and crying or something <laughs> and he's kind of found that he enjoys, like I said, the bike or if I bring like some tools or something for him to mess with, he's, he's golden, which I'm <laughs> super thankful for. Cause I'm sure there's kids out there that, that don't do that. So now I've, I've really had it pretty easy. So I didn't realize, but, uh, you crash at national champs and pulled out of racing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd wrecked. I mean, it was just, it was a, just a, my own racing mistake. I kind of overjumped the jump into the corner and, um, was p pretty close with Connor and clipped his wheel and just kind of high sided. And yeah, I was just, I wasn't wearing pads or anything and ripped up my elbow pretty good and have a pretty good bone bruise, nothing super crazy, but yeah, it was just really uncomfortable and super painful to ride something I didn't, I thought it was just kind of a cut at first and tried to keep racing and it was bugging me. So yeah, I couldn't, I put on pads and I went and had bought pads. And put them <laughs> on. I mean, I don't know if you guys know how that is. I mean, I usually do race with them. I just, we had drove to, um, we had drove to Houston and they were in my bike bag that I usually fly with. So that was my own, I gotta have a laugh my own mistake. Uh, but, um, 
I was going to say at the race, I, talking about pads here, Sylvan was telling me he only puts pads on for the mains. He just changes and he, puts them on? He literally, he was like putting pads on for the main <laughs> event. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I put my pads on for the He's main. He's like, I'm going in for fucking battle. Uh, yeah, I was like, what? Gosh. Yeah. I thought that was really I mean, that, weird. I'm a little bit that way. I mean, I generally won't run pads on like a an ABA, a smaller style track, but definitely like World Cup or bigger races, I'll, I'll throw them on just, just for that, just for the reason of ripping yourself up and and the possibility of yeah, getting just all skinny. I went no, back and never any fun. I went back and forth. I warmed for a while, and then I always felt like I couldn't move with knee pads and stuff on, so I just ran it raw. Yeah, but yeah then, I'm. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm definitely if I'm comfortable and confident, I definitely won't wear pads. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, if I, there's any bit of uncomfortable, like I don't know, I'm a little uncomfortable. I'll definitely I'll put them on just and just deal with it, just because. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So getting getting into uh, your career oh. a bit. BMX, obviously. How did you originally get into BMX as a kid? Um, I, geez, I was so young. I don't, I don't really recall. I've kind of talked to my parents about it, and really, just, I mean, my brother. They had bought my brother and I bikes from Walmart when we were, like, well, well when I was around two, and my brother was four. He's a couple of years older than I am, and um, we just started riding around the neighborhood. And, um, we just really enjoyed riding and we had a plot of land next to my parents' house that they'd, they had owned just, they had bought it and wanted to own it and kind of have a few homes in the neighborhood. And yeah, they weren't doing anything with it at the time. And we were riding around and there was kids in the neighborhood that would come as come over as well too. And like, Hey, you got that blank thing in the land. Like let's build some gym jumps or something, try to jump these bikes. And we're like, Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> and yeah, kids would just come over in the neighborhood and we would set up ramps and, um, kind of ramp off of just, I mean, any two by fours and pieces of wood and bricks and whatever my dad had laying around. And I wanted, I honestly wanted to be a freestyle guy that I remember from my being so young, like at heart, I wanted to do tricks. I remember like Fuzzy Hall or TJ Lavin and some of those guys like doing 360s and stuff. I was like, man, that's what I want to do. Let's go <laughs> kiss some air. <laughs> and that's that's originally how I got into BMX. It wasn't even racing that I really knew about. It was neighborhood kids and kind of building ramps with things in the road. And that little plot of land, we had started digging and making like the ugliest <laughs> pointy lips and just piles of dirt you could ever build and and we just i went from there and kind of started jumping and just having fun that way and yeah wanting to be a freestyle guy and and um learned to jump really before i even started racing i think i was like three learned how to get some air and the funny thing is is i had cracked i think two redline chromo bikes before i even started racing just jumping and doing stupid stuff when i was a kid (laughs) I guess that's why. And, um, is that why you started yeah, riding of, flats? Yeah, and one of those buddies was. It was an older kid. He was, I don't know. I don't know if he was in his teens yet, but from the neighborhood, had went to the BMX track and came back, all crate, all hyped up one day, <laughs> and he's like, "Dude, you gotta go try this place. Like, it's <laughs> it's jumping like this." And he's like, "And you just go as fast as you can." He's like, "It's so cool," and I'm like, "Oh, that's." That's crazy. (laughs) Sounds fun. Yeah. And we had seen um, the local track at that time, which was late 90s, was doing a commercial, 
like it was like literally maybe like a 10 second commercial. It was like the gate snap to the first jump. And then they like cut to like the second straight where they were bigger jumps. And it was like BMX racing, check it out. Like, and the dudes were snapping all crazy. And it was like, Oh, that is cool. And yeah, I ended up, I ended up calling the track. They had the phone number when my parents were at work and we'd just be at home with grandpa. I was, I would call the track, the number on the bottom of the screen and then hang up when they picked up the phone. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't know what to say. I mean, I was a four or five year old kid. I was like, I don't know. That's and funny. they, um, they ended up calling my parents back when they got home from work one time and they're like, Oh really? He's been calling you guys. It's weird. And then, yeah, it was just, my dad took me out there one day to watch and we just sat from like outside the fence and watched and yeah, within the next couple of weeks I went out there and, and tried it out and have been hooked for the last, geez, 23 years. <laughs> That's a while. That's a while. But I mean, it's, yeah. it sounds like, I mean, you're kind of known as that guy who has like the ultimate bike control. You have the flow around the track. And I think it seems like it would probably stem from starting with someone just somewhere just like riding jumps in the backyard. Like you always look like you're just flowing around. And, and I got to say, like, that seems like that's probably why you rode, like, like Tori said, riding flats all the time too. That had to contribute to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely contributed a lot to it. And, um, the crazy backstory to the flat thing was, um, one of the first nights out at the BMX track. I mean, it's, it wasn't scary to me, but kind of a, kind of a, uh, a crazy story is, um, we were, there was like a 90 and 90 and we were sitting by like the, you'd call it, I guess the third straight. And one of the kids out there, was clipped in and there was like a roller table and he had looped out and didn't come unclipped and landed on his neck. He he broke his neck right in front of my parents where they were sitting. I wasn't there. I was out riding and he was, I could hear from the hill. He was screaming like, I can't feel anything. And, uh, and yeah, from that, and that was one of the first nights out, I think probably second or third time out at the track. And, from there, yeah, my parents were like, yeah, you're, if you're going to keep doing this, you're not going to ride those pedals. You're going to ride flats. And that really was the story. Like, it really wasn't wow. my choice necessarily to keep running them. But, yeah, my parents were like, if you're going to keep doing this sport, you're not going to be connected to the bike. That's just – that's our restriction. And I just – I loved it so much and I just kept racing flats till, um, I think I was just about to turn 13 – and Richard Huvard, which is who owns Daylight now, which um, he ran Redmond back those days, he just um, out of the blue sent a pair of clip shoes and clip pedals to my house. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the parents were my parents weren't home, and I always wanted to race. Like I, my, my parents buddy, weren't home, so I put them, them on. <laughs> yeah, everybody had them. I was like, oh damn, these are mine, really? So yeah, I put them together and put them on my bike, and and um, I got a little bit of of um backlash but i mean i ran flats for geez that was seven plus years and and was pretty decent at the sport so yeah my parents were like oh yeah what okay well you can ride clips whatever it's do whatever you want that corbin would beat me on flats and he turned he put clips on was even faster i was like you gotta be kidding me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was it was at the winners it was in phoenix i remember i don't even know what yeah i don't even know what year it was yeah i remember in phoenix yeah we got to get into yeah. that a little bit because you guys have the iconic backstory that you 
obviously Corbin, you, Tori here, and Connor used to race each other all the time. So what was it like growing up racing them all the time? Um, man, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, um, I mean, honestly, that's still why I race BMX. I mean, for the, the competition, the competitiveness and, um, that's, I mean, that's really has been the whole thrill all my life was just racing. I mean, it's funny, the best, it was crazy to turn out that it was, I mean, the three, I mean, there's even more guys that were in, in that kind of junior class within the year of us, um, being the best in the world. But, um, you don't think about those things when you're kids. I mean, you just, you race who you race. And, um, being older, I mean, it was, it was always tough being a kid. Like it was like, Oh man, I got to race these guys. But I mean, it was always just, it was so much fun. And, and as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate, I mean, being put in, being the same age and really racing those guys kind of week in and week out. And, and Tori wasn't here as much, but I do remember him always coming to the gold cup. <laughs> uh, he would always beat me. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> come here and beat me. What the heck? I know when we were really young, I didn't race many nationals. I just went to the gold cups every year. And then I probably started racing nationals when I was like 11. Yeah. And then I was yeah, like, yeah, and, um, that, it, it was always fun. And, and no matter what, I mean, we, nobody likes to lose, but, um, but yeah, to get beaten, get put in your place. It's like, oh damn! Well, this guy's better than me. I gotta go home and ride some more, and come back and try to beat him again. I hope he shows up at the next one. <laughs> That's so cool. What was it like? And yeah, I was just always competitive, and and I always, I mean, I always wished that that I mean, Connor and Tori and the best guys showed up at every race. It was like, yeah, I want to go beat that guy. He beat me last weekend, so see if I can get him this one, and that's what. That's what really kept the drive and kept me into it. Was just how fun it was racing those guys all the time. I think it was if it was just kind of easy and a cakewalk all the time. I really, I don't think I would be where I am today, and I wouldn't respect and love. I mean, those guys or the sport as much as much as I do. Definitely have a lot of respect for those guys, and yeah, it's it's just been a ton of fun. Yeah, I think we made each other quite a bit better too, and we were so competitive all of us every week. And by the time we got to junior and elite, I think. We've been running such a good pace for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. I think it it helped carry over kind of into the elite realm and world to where you kind of because it's so different. It was like we, like you said, carried such a high pace and and we're always kind of pushing each other that all the way up through till the higher ranks that that um we ended up being real fortunate coming in and. And even coming in and racing guys, I think when we first entered, like Donnie and yeah, and Kyle and Mike Day, and oh, I mean just those big names. I mean we raced each other as amateurs, so it was like it wasn't such a big deal. It was like kind of came in, and I think we wanted to beat those guys too, and that's kind of how I felt. It was like, well, I mean we we as kids raced each other. Why couldn't we come up and and beat these guys that have been professional for how many years? So it was super fun. I was going to say, Tori, how was it like for you? <laughs> you always said Corbin was always faster when he was younger. Yeah, like Corbin was, I was, yeah, obviously we were all the same age growing up and raced each other all the time. And I was, I know, obviously he was one of the biggest competitors in our class and he won a lot, but I was always just so impressed. He was just always so good every week, so consistent, so fast, so smooth. You know, I, you don't want to be like in awe of your competitors, but at times I was just in awe at the stuff he could do. And I was like, fuck, how's he doing that? How's he going so fast? <laughs> but honestly, this guy, <laughs> yeah, like it, a big impact. Are you on shitting me? me? Exactly. <laughs> it, a big impact on me getting a lot better because when you race someone that good all the time, you have no choice but to raise your level. Yeah. 
And so yeah. I think it really helped me growing up, made me a lot faster. And like Corbin said, by the time we got to junior and elite, we just felt like we belonged and it just went in there like, yeah, we can beat these guys. Let's do it. I think it really showed when you guys got into like even the world cup ranks or the races, because you guys went into the races and you guys were already kind of some of the top dogs. Yeah. And it's like nowadays that doesn't really happen. Like you guys went in as kids and you guys started running the show a little bit. Yeah. And I always, Corbin, I always really liked racing you cause you're always so like, you're, I don't know how do I say this. You're always really like, you know what you're going to get. Like you're fast, smooth and clean. Like there's not like a sketchy dude you're racing. It's always going to be the same consistent fast dude. You kind of know what you're getting and it's just going to be a good hard race. Yeah. And I always really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, to touch on that too, it's even these days, it's so hard. Like, I don't know, just racing, like you said, to race, it's hard to find that guy nowadays. Like that, like just races, like you said, that is, you know what you're going to get. And, um, I think that's what's made the sport so hard now too is just the unpredictability of it. Like you, (laughs) there's so many, so many. I mean, there's so many fast guys and so many guys that are capable. And like, yeah, you just rack up and you kind of don't know what you're gonna get. It's like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta sometimes look who's in front of you because you don't know if they're gonna be smooth or not. They're gonna be getting wild. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. And like I said, there's so many guys nowadays that that I mean can fire off a lap or, or however many and go fast and you end up behind them. And it's like, Oh, well, I don't know. It's, it's almost kind of scary. You're like, well, and then you kind of, you kind of learn and, and get how it is. But, but yeah, it's, it's definitely changed from, I think when we came into the world cup ranks and just, I mean, the sports evolved so much from then till now, how it is that, that, yeah, we came in and like, I, like, like you said, there's, there was, was more guys back then that you knew how they rode i mean i guess i don't know if we studied it a little more or you kind of you could trust what they did and it was just for more more or less a clean, a clean hard race and it was a little easier to race i think than than it is nowadays back about 10 years ago yeah i think so too nowadays i think people just worry about trying to get fast instead of riding their bike as much yeah 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 and that's yeah. i mean yeah straight up that's that's the crazy thing is it's like i mean there's there's kids that are full-on coached in in doing these camps and training and lifting and doing crazy stuff at i mean young teens 12 it's like man i didn't even i didn't know what i mean i knew what a gym was but i mean i didn't touch a weight till i was i mean gosh almost 18 17 like all i did was i mean sprint the bike and and jump jumps and rode (laughs) rode every day till then i didn't there was no i mean training or anything like that and I think yeah, you can you can kind of see that in, in some guys now. Like it's like, geez, they just they're so powerful, and um, yeah, just more time spent on on just training or like getting strong than it than than learning the basics and learning the bike. And that's to me, that's what it, it boils down to. You at the end of the day, you need to know how to ride the bike. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, growing up racing you, Corbin, made me want to train because I wanted to beat you because <laughs> yeah. you beat yeah, me all the I, time. That <laughs> was funny because like Corbin, you'd win a lot of the, most of the races. And then um, if I beat you one time in the year or a couple of races, it wouldn't even be like the fact that I won or just be like, oh my God, I beat Corbin. You were like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, Corbin was like the the measuring stick. Like if you guys were with him. Yeah, yeah. Him, he was good. like, yeah, if I beat him, it was like, oh my God, what a day. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> great weekend yeah. <laughs> so well speaking of training um 
I mean, you used to work with Greg Romero. Um, what was that like working with him? Because I, f- I feel like you did that for a bunch of years. And who do you work with now? Yeah, that's um, that's really that's who I started with. Like I said, I didn't, I hadn't really touched any weights till I was, I mean, late teens. And Greg's who kind of I started with and introduced me to to lifting and and really really training. And yeah, super thankful from what I learned from him. I think I was, we were together for geez it's almost seven years i think somewhere around there it was a it was a long bit and um and yeah it was just i mean i felt like i had learned kind of all i could learn and and really wanted to kind of go a new route and in a new path nothing on greg he's he's awesome he's great he knows knows a lot about bmx knows how to win so i mean that's really all you can ask in a coach and it was just i mean for me i wanted to go go a different route it was like i didn't know that was all I knew was, was, was Greg. And it was like, is there anything out there? Anybody else that has a, a different mindset, a different theory on training or anything else. And, and I just, I wanted to, I just, I felt like I wanted to switch it up. So now working with Christian Besserine and, and yeah, it was, it was kind of just a breath of fresh air to, to kind of go to a different type of training theory, I guess you would say different kind of, like I said, mindset. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome kind of do some different things from what I was doing with with Greg and yeah it's been it's been fun I I just I love switching things up and and always kind of trying something new is and that's what Christian and I do is kind of as a team and can work together and finding what works best for for myself balancing like family life I mean just riding training everything I think I think we work well together and definitely very thankful I think a big part of it is just keeping things fresh because we've done it for so long. You just need to keep things fresh and stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and definitely, like I was saying, if you can, you can find somebody that has a different mindset, different look, kind of a different look at the sport, different look at you. I mean, kind of has different, different opinions. Yeah. It's, it's a great thing to keep it fresh and, and switch it up. And I think that's in kind of in all walks of life, you kind of, either get burnt out on something or you kind of got to find a new way to motivate yourself and, and, um, keep things fresh and, and exciting kind of things get boring and get stale. And it's like, yeah, kind of get burnt out and want to look at different routes. So, you know, like you said, it, it, it is good to switch things up and, and do some different things. You wrote for some of the, uh, biggest brands in the sport, GT, Haro, Redmond, when you were growing up and now you're on daylight, like, how are all riding with all those teams growing up, maybe especially kind of Redmond? Because Redmond was one of the biggest teams back in the day, one of the biggest factory teams. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy riding for Redmond in the kind of the big amateur days. It um it doesn't seem to me, I mean, I guess I'm not as round around the top amateurs as much as I was when I was a kid. But um but yeah, that like crazy amateur rivalry of like I mean, back when I raced, like Redmond, Answer, um, On Track. Answer BMX, get yours today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that just the cra- the amateur team rivalry doesn't seem as crazy nowadays. But I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, riding for Redmond as a kid was like, gosh, it was a it was a dream come true. I I loved the monocoque bikes when I was a little kid. When I was like eight years old, they were so crazy, and I was like, yes, I really want one of those. And I wanted, I don't, I just, I wanted to ride for Mike. I wasn't, 
I don't know. I raced a bit of nationals, but I just, I wanted to ride for him because I loved the bike so much. And I, we had bought one before I even got on Redmond, but, um, and I didn't really know a lot about him or the team. I was just like, this is the best bike. I want to ride for that guy. He's got to have the best team. I'm sure he does. And ended up doing pretty well as the young kid and got picked up and, and, um, Gosh, that was one of the best days of my life. I remember him and Richard came up to my parents at the Winter Nationals. I was turning nine. Gosh, I don't even know what year it was. But yeah, they came up and and introduced themselves and offered a ride. And I couldn't, I was so ecstatic. I remember I couldn't even (laughs) believe it. I'm like, I'm going to ride for Redmond. I can't (laughs) believe it. And that was like, gosh, that was almost bigger than like any deals I got is as a professional, I just, I was so hyped on it. And like, that was, like, that was the goal as a kid was like, I want to ride for Redmond. And I turned down a lot of kind of bike shop teams that were big back then. And like people throwing stuff at me, like paying for stuff as an amateur. Like I was like, no, I want to ride for Redmond. That's, that's who I want to ride for. If it's not him, then I'm riding for no one. <laughs> that's really cool actually. Yeah. And then you switched to GT when you turned pro, right? Or after that? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did one, like the rookie season on Redmond. And um, yeah, at that time, sadly, it was kind of, yeah, the amateur scene wasn't really as big as it had been growing up. And yeah, I got offered a ride from GT. And that was, I mean, when that team was crazy, not big, but well-known. I mean, Mike Day was on there as well. It was stacked, Red yeah. Bull was, yeah, Red Bull had jumped on and. And yeah, that was, I mean, Red Bull was a dream come true as well. That was, gosh, I couldn't, I still to this day don't really believe that I wrote for those guys. It's <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But yeah, that day and that call too was, was gnarly. Um, gosh, that was such a, that was such a year. I think it was 2011. So many things had happened that year, good and bad. And, and yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy because I had, that I got that GT deal. And then, like I said, red, red bull was jumping on board and, and I had, I broke my femur that year at the world. And I was, um, that was a bad, I one, was yeah. in talks with red bull. Like I hadn't finished the deal yet, but we were like close. And I remember laying on the ground th- then that was like, it's kind of sad, but that's all I was thinking about was that deal. I was like, gosh, is that deal over? Like this could be it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't really even like thinking about my leg being broke. I was more <laughs> worried about, yeah, and sad that 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 deal might go away. And yeah, thankfully it it's they stuck behind me and and stayed there, and I got two years out of it. And yeah, I was super thankful to ride for them. And yeah, that day was gnarly because that's really all I could think about. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. that was it. Seemed like a big year for you. Like I mean. Coming to that year, 2011, was that where you won your first uh, World Cup in South Africa? Yeah. Africa? Was South that Africa. It? Yeah, 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 I won okay. South Africa. And then I got to ask, and then like, how was it like kind of overcoming that injury? Because it seems like, obviously, an injury like that, it takes a while to come Horrific back. Horrific injury. Yeah. yeah, it takes so much time just to build a muscle back. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, even the, even was, the dogs, um, even the dogs pissed about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dogs mad. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty gnarly like that. Gosh, up until that point, I mean, I'll admit I was, yeah, I'd won that World Cup. And, um, yeah, we were coming, the, the Olympics was the year after that. I mean, we were getting pretty close. It was coming up to um, individual qualifications. And, 
yeah, I was so like stuck on the Olympics. Like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like, that was just get that one race, just weighed on my mind and, and weighed on me so much. And, um, yeah, when I broke my femur, it kind of knocked me back to reality and like put my feet on the ground. Like, Hey, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's, it's a great, it's a huge event. Like it, the magnitude of it's crazy. If you qualify, you're one of the best in the world and, and all that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, to me, it was just, it was another race. It was like, it was just one race. And I was so worried about make, just making it in my life revolved around that one race for, I mean, geez, year for years. And it was like, if a world cup didn't go, go good or something didn't go my way. And then kind of the, the femur and, and before that, yeah, I was, it was so, I was so evolved and wrapped around that one race. Like it was going to define yeah. my whole life and my career that, um, yeah, I was so sucked into that. And when I got injured, I had time to kind of put my feet on the ground and, and just realize what I'm kind of what family meant and, and, um, what my career really meant to me other than the Olympic games, like what up to that point, what I had done, I mean, kind of winning an amateur title. And like I said, the world cup and I was on such cloud nine and kind of thinking so far ahead, like, Oh, I'm making the team that, um, yeah, when I got injured, I've just, I kind of, I got put back in my place and, and shown that, um, that, yeah, that, that, I mean, then the sport of BMX that really it's, I mean, we hear it all the time. Not, I mean, if you're going to crash, it's when you're going to crash. And yeah. yeah, it was, it was kind of a bad time at that, that point for qualifying and things like that, that, um, yeah, it made me respect, I mean, kind of life is one and, and my career and respect the sport of BMX a lot more than I did. Cause I hadn't got injured or I'd been super lucky leading up to that. I'd been fair really healthy all the way till then and um yeah it just made me respect every aspect of training and I mean even the other competitors you guys and and things like that that I mean we suit up every day and kind of risk ourselves because you never know when something major like that's going to happen so that was a kind of a turning point for me in my career and kind of what my mindset was and and um how I raced from then on out how did your mindset change after that um just to, I mean, to respect and kind of take everything in stride and not focus on that, just that one huge race that, that was coming up in two years in a year or any race. I mean, definitely there's, there's huge races. There's, we all set goals as athletes, as people, and, um, there's huge events and in everything. And, and there's, don't get me wrong. It's, it's great to me for me to set goals and I still set those big goals and know those races and things are coming up and qualifying, but kind of changed my mindset from the day in and day out, kind of waking up in the processes of the day and in the weeks or anything like that to, to take every day kind of day by day and in training day by day and, and kind of just set shorter term goals rather than kind of, focus on that long-term two years out, four years out, five years out goal. That's, that's so far out there to, to kind of learn to set the goals and kind of achieve things every day was, was kind of what that did to me coming back and learning, definitely learning how to walk. I mean, learning how to ride, not really ride, but to sprint again, to, to get a gate. I mean, that was one of the hardest things from breaking the femur was learning how to do a gate start. 
it was it was so hard because there's so much force and torque coming through on that first pedal that I mean even a couple months out it was kind of still bothering me trying to do a gate start like my front wheel wouldn't come up and I'm like what what's going on here like I don't I don't know what's going on I've been snapping gates for most of my life why can't I really do this and yeah just learning learning the small things how to ride the bike and kind of rebuilding from ground zero rebuilding that leg and and um working from there kind of set me in in my place and and um yeah to just to, to just respect everything I remember you in like uh, in Chula there. You you came back from the injury pretty quickly, like at least just getting back on the bike. I felt like because I remember at the World Cup in Chula, you were there riding and stuff. And I don't think you raced it. Um, correct me no. if I'm wrong, but yeah, you no, were there yeah. already back riding. Yeah, that was flowing. Just flowing. Yeah, that was the beginning of August. I got hurt, and then and I think Chula was a month and a half or two months. Yeah, after like that. usually September, I think. Yeah. 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 I could, like I said, I could ride. I just, I couldn't do a gate. Like I couldn't do a gate. I could like yeah. come down the supercross hill and I could ride fine and in pedal, but it was so hard learning how to do the, the gate again. How long did that take to get back? Gosh, I think it took, I raced grands that year still, but still kind of not injured, but hurting a little bit. Yeah. And not, that was hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That was like three months, three and a half, four months. But yeah, the funny thing is that um, not a lot of people know either is um, I think the Chula that started 2012. Do you guys know what? Yeah. Was that in March? Yeah, it was in like March. Yeah. Then there was Norway yeah, two weeks after. Had, um, yeah. So I came back from that femur, whatever, raced the Grands, was still still mending, still training and trying to trying to get power back and um before that World Cup, that Chula World Cup, I was staying out at the center and I was doing some um, filming and like just stuff for Red Bull. I think it was for like a rider bio and stuff. And we were out at the trails and I, my front end went over the corner and I dislocated my hip oh like my God. a week and a half <laughs> before that Chula World Cup. Holy so shit. that was like. I mean, seven or eight months after the femur. And then I dislocated my opposite hip, which like I said, not a lot of people know is the crazy thing. And I raced, I mean, I still raced that Chula World Cup after doing that. And that was only, I think it was, I was in Chula for the World Cup, like doing a camp before that race. And I stayed through then. So it was only like a week Jesus. and a half after I dislocated my hip that I raced that race. Holy shit. So yeah, I had pretty, I mean, pretty severe back-to-back injuries on, really the most ex- the most extreme parts that we use for BMX. No kidding. And especially with all the mounting pressure kind of coming back and the Olympic year and everything, and you got all the way back to, to the Olympic trials, and um, it must have been tough to go through not, not making the team for London. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, like I said, it, at that point, like I was with both those injuries and things, I had just I had made up my mind that I was going to take it one race at a time and just and do the best that I could. And, and I mean, if I made it, I made it. And if I didn't, then, then um, I did, I tried my best and there was no, there was no doubt or any, no, um, no regret in, in what I did and in the training and, and things like that. So even with it not working out, I mean, I still, gosh, those were the most trying months and pretty much year that I had. And, 
yeah, I, I can just, I just look back on it and smile because it, it's kind of made me into the athlete and person I am today. So I can't, can't say it was not a success. It was definitely, it was tough. I mean, really racing and, and not making it, but, but no, the guys that made it deserved it. And, and yeah, I was, like I said, I was super stoked with what I was able to do. And even with those injuries to come back and even be at the trials and to even be competitive, I, I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I don't have any, any regrets. I was, I was happy to be able to even race at that point. So it's crazy. Sometimes you need like an injury like that just to kind of reset yourself. And yeah, cause like you said, we get, we get stuck in this world of, Oh, Olympics, this Olympics, that. And it's like everybody around you is saying the same thing. Like, Oh, we're going to do this to get you ready for the Olympics. We're going to mm-hmm. get, we're going to do this to get you ready for the Olympics. It's like, yeah, sometimes you need to take that step back and realize, Hey, like there's a bunch of other races out there. I'm still a BMX racer at heart. Like I'm still going to keep racing no matter what. So I might as well just enjoy it. It's really easy to, to lose perspective when there's so much hype and kind of everyone's just wanting to go to the Olympics, blah, blah, blah. It's really easy to lose perspective until you take a step back and you can kind of get things in order a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, that's <laughs> no doubt. The Olympics is life changing. I that's that's um that's definitely a given i mean if you medal you do well you i mean i guess you even make it it's like that's that can change your life so mm-hmm. um definitely glad to have the sport in in the olympic games but like you guys said at the end of the day we're i mean at heart we're bmx racers and and after the games is done you're going to pack your bag you're going to come back home and there's going to be another bmx race and same with before you get there it's like you're going to pack your bag and go either race a a year around a USA BMX round or a world cup. And you're going to look to either qualify for the games. You're going to make it or you're not. And I mean, either way you go, you compete, it's a race, you come home and you reset and you go back to racing BMX again. And that's, that's what we do. And, and yeah, we definitely put such an emphasis on, on that race and, and even just making it and training for that. It's, it's so specific and, and it's, I don't know. It's to, it's a it's, it's different in, and it's for some people there could be a lot of pressure. It could be like I said for me it was definitely before I got hurt. It was a lot of pressure and a lot of like I need to make like for to advance my career. Like I need to get there. I need to go to the games. Like that's my I need to get there. But these days it's like I just if I do well enough to to make it there then then great. I'm happy. I'm going to train. I'll be prepared, but, um, I'm going to enjoy every race, every training day and everything before that, before the games and just enjoy every moment getting there and, and preparing for it. And that's what I think is super cool. Like if you do, when you do make it or you get close or something like that, like there's nothing like preparing like for Mm -hmm. the Olympic games, like I'm going to, I'm going to make it there. And, and even if you don't like you, even if you get close and, and you're there and, you're kind of in that selection process and you're one of those top guys racing world cups. Like there's nothing better than that feeling of like Mm. being one of the best, knowing you're one of the best guys in the world and, and you're competing at such a high level. I think that's, that's the super cool thing. And, and definitely what keeps me going all the time and, and just keep loving BMX racing is, is that such a high level and, being able to compete in the Olympic games, which is, is nuts. It's something, it's crazy. <laughs> incredibly special. It's incredibly special. Yeah. Um, how was your experience in Rio? It was good. 
other than, I mean, it was, it was super cool. It was my first time, I mean, really being there as an athlete and, um, yeah, kind of hearing the stories before, I mean, you get there, I guess you hear just like any games has its thing like, Oh, like it's so corrupt over there. It's crazy. <laughs> it's dirty, it's, You're going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might get robbed. Like, <laughs> that, like Everything was good. I thought everything was cool. I like, know. I thought was, it was great. <laughs> it was super cool. And like leading up to it doing like for the U S we do like, um, gosh, I forgot what it was called. But like you go and you get like all your gear, like you yeah, you do like the fitting jacket, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, we went to Houston for that, the last one, and like doing that and just the experience of mm-hmm. like it all settling in. Like you go, you fly to Houston, like you pick up your bag, like you try on all your stuff, make sure it fits. Like the dressing room has your name on it, and it just makes you feel like you're you're someone. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. Nuts. yeah. Like, I've made it, but um, I know. that's cool and. And that experience was something else. And same in Rio. I, I really just, I enjoyed it. I soaked it all in and, and, um, the track was pretty crazy. It was definitely, um, different. It was, it was yeah. hard for me to see really. I yes, mean, I think, I think you wear goggles. Some of you guys wear goggles. I think that helped a bit, but yeah, for me, it was super hard to see like <laughs> the bright orange and green to me kind of mm. tripped me out. It was hard to almost focus. But um, no, I I enjoyed racing. I was I was prepared. I, it's, geez, I was going faster than I'd ever had, and and yeah, just just um, wasn't really able to put the race together that that I had envisioned and that I wanted. But at the end of the day, is geez, I was prepared. I I did my best, and I put down a couple good laps, and and yeah, I just was one spot shy of the final. But um, the all around experience was super cool. It was it was cool seeing all the other athletes. Um, the golfers, the basketball players, the people, I mean, you usually see on TV, that was, that was something else. And just being able to share, kind of to share that space and, um, geez, how would you put it? Like the energy that everybody has and just the energy that, that, um, event puts on is, is nuts. Like if, gosh, I wish every, it's, it's so crazy because I wish everybody could experience that, like walking in that, that dining hall. It's and, crazy. Like, all the energy. Yeah. Everywhere, all the venue, all the venues, the dining hall, everywhere. It's like just the the energy put out around it is is something else, and it's just something to appreciate for sure. And it's crazy too. Like after, like you almost like once you're when you're racing and stuff, you're so focused, but when you, when you finish racing and then you go home and stuff, you kind of realize, like I had a realization of actually how big the Olympics is. Did you have the same realization kind of? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I was, I think I got it a little bit before I went, like I had some news channels come and yeah, yeah. interview me and I'm like, I'm just this, this guy from, <laughs> from kind of the hood Tucson and I don't know <laughs> why you're really talking to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going. This is this is awesome. So then, obviously, after Rio next year, let's talk 2017 World Champs. Obviously, pretty pretty big day for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. How'd you feel going in? And yeah, how'd you feel going in? And obviously, you you race phenomenally. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't even. Gosh, that was such a crazy whirlwind. Such a crazy day, but um. I don't just from the day being so crazy. I don't really even remember how I felt. 
like going into it, I um, think I was I was there a little bit early and had spent some time there. I mean, not that the track you really need much time on that track. It's not very hard. <laughs> not too hard. But uh, everyone's rode it a few times now. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. And I think even like when I was there, I was struggling to like, what do I do besides like just go and jump these jumps and uh huh. Try to find something different, but there's nothing to do different. No. Yeah. 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 But um, no. Race. I mean, race week was crazy. It. I know it was super hot. I like racing when it's hot. That was, I think, definitely on my side. But yeah, I knew I had a a good chance at at doing well, and I was I was just I was super comfortable. Like I wasn't, not even saying that I knew I was gonna win the race or nothing, or felt real good and, and knew I had a good chance. But um. All my family was there. I think my parents hadn't, we all, my parents hadn't been to a race in a while. So that was super cool. My mom and dad were there. My wife was there. And my aunt lives like 40 minutes from there. And she had came out as well. So it was kind of just a big family, family affair. And I kind of wanted to do well just because I had all my family there. And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a hot day, super hot. It was tough. Humid. Yeah. And yeah, just, I mean, I usually don't ride in humidity, so it was, di- it was different, but yeah, it was really hot. And, um, yeah, it was just, I, I started out the day riding pretty well and felt, I mean, felt real good, felt com- confident and comfortable. And that was really all it was, is I was just, I mean, I was confident and I was comfortable and just staying kind of where I was at from starting the day, winning a few laps and kind of staying in that mindset, like, all right, you're confident, you're comfortable. And, um, staying there is really what kept me going throughout the day. And it was just kind of like, okay, execute just kind of every lap, lap after lap, how I was doing from the day starting and, and yeah, it just, it ended up unfolding in, I mean, in my favor and, and having a great main event and being able to, um, to come out on top and, Gosh, I was so that day it was it was so hard too. I remember uh, finishing that race. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was dead. I was gonna mm-hmm. throw up and I didn't I man, I it was so hard to even make it onto the podium. I was like, gosh, I couldn't do any I was just dead. <laughs> I I'd put hundred and twenty percent of what I had out there and and yeah, it was it was, <laughs> it was so hard and, and just almost unbelievable really, I know winning those stripes was was something i'd always wanted to do and kind of doing it was was a bit surreal (laughs) it took it definitely took like a few almost that week settling in like austin did i really do that and like i said i was kind of sick after too like i wanted to celebrate but i couldn't because i was just so dead (laughs) so drained like remember sylvain and george kind of looking at me like dude so you look something looks up and i'm like i was like i'm i just feel like i couldn't do anything else i, I was so sick feeling <laughs> how did you uh how did you feel going into the main obviously lane one home soil you're doing well and everything that day did you feel calm felt ready yeah and uh the crazy it was it was such a crazy um before that final elise had won and um i know for her it was so it was huge as well and she was out she was celebrating and riding across the track, riding to Sam. And, um, it was a little bit delayed. Our final was because she was, I mean, obviously doing what she was doing. And, um, 
rightly celebrating, celebrating and, and thanking everybody and being with Sam. And, and yeah, it was kind of, like I said, it was delayed and I was watching her do that. And I'm like, dang, that's super cool. Like, I want to do for that. Her. I was so, I was so, yeah, I was so stoked for Lisa. And I'm like, gosh, I wonder, yeah, kind of just had that quick thought. Like, I wonder if I could do that. Like, that'd be sweet. So yeah, we, we kind of were sitting behind, sitting on the hill watching her and I'm like, just, I mean, it's the last lap you're, I mean, we're all smoked and we're up there just like, geez, let's, let's just run this thing before legs <laughs> cramp or anything like that. Like, come on, let's go. But, um, but no, I was, I was, I mean, weirdly pretty calm and, and yeah, just kind of watched Elise celebrate and kind of took that in and kind of thought I wanted, kind of wanted that for myself. So it was, it was kind of cool getting to see that and, and, um, being patient and just waiting for her to finish and, and loading up in the gate. Yeah. That kind of, kind of mellowed me out and helped me stay calm. I think rather than like being on the gate, really just focusing on everything that you needed to do, being able to kind of see a special moment like that um, unfold was, I think something that almost helped me and, and kind of, kind of put my mind in that mindset, like, okay, just focus on kind of the little things you need to do before you get this gate and um, go and handle things. And that's kind of where I was at. I was, yeah, I was calm and I was ready to go and, and seeing her celebrate and do her thing kind of inspired me to, to go ahead and help me finish the job as well. Yeah, no doubt. It gave me goosebumps. Listening to that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it kind of like, so through 2016 and yeah, obviously into 2017, it's almost like you found kind of like a little bit of a different gear. It, I don't know. It seemed like you kind of were kind of finding your own a little more. Was there anything you kind of started doing differently? I don't know, physically, mentally, technically on the bike that kind of helped you win so many races through those years? Yeah, that was the end of 16 into 17 was when I started working with Christian. I am um, Greg and I had parted ways after the games that year and and for a few months, I kind of just, I did my own thing. I um, just kind of put my, I put my own programs together, kind of focused on what I thought I needed to work on. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to do my own thing and, and kind of figure out what, what I wanted to do for BMX racing, what I, what direction I wanted to go, if I even wanted to work with a coach eventually or, or not. And um, I think I did Louisville somewhere around there by myself and um i think right at louisville or after louisville is when i hooked up with christian and um, we started working together and yeah just just um just his different mindset and kind of he's got a bit more of that mentality like we spoke about like learn to ride that like learn to learn the bike first and and um train get strong second is kind of kind of the way we approach things. And I think that really helped what I did on the bike and how my riding style kind of click rather than putting like the big strength and stuff first and then translating that into the speed on the bike was learning the bike first or ride the bike a bit more and, and implement, implement that strength on the bike rather than kind of vice versa. And, And yeah, working with him kind of just changed that around for me. And I think, fit with what I did a little bit better. So that, that allowed me to excel a bit more than I had in the past for sure. Well, now that it's 2020, it's past there. What are your, 
what are your plans moving forward now? USA BMX title? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's still far. I mean, it's still down the road so far. Like I said, I have I love to set, love those goals, love to set those far out goals. But um, yeah, that's definitely on the books. And, and I think, I think um, the worlds again would be super sweet if um, it doesn't get postponed or canceled or anything because of the what's going on yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, first and foremost, just um, really, I think I think a world title would be super cool again. And um, yeah, if the the Olympics comes about, then then yeah, the gold would be. I mean, get a medal. That would be that would be definitely a big one on there. That would be super cool. But yeah, no, this um, USA BMX title is is definitely on my mind, and and at this point for me, it's just I mean, racing just race after race for me. If if I'm healthy and and can race week after week, then then that's what I'm going to do, and and I'm going to focus on the race that's ahead of me, and not try not to get ahead of myself too much um, with the with the big goals and and those things like the worlds, the Olympics, the the title at the end of the year. To me, I feel like those things will come if if I'm training solid and and I've had a a good showing out on the track. I mean, race after race, definitely. Like the USA BMX title doesn't come just from, I mean, winning one race. You gotta you gotta be strong all year and that's a tough stay one to pretty win. healthy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gnarly. So so yeah, I think those that'll come. I mean, really, with just race after race, being consistent, um, doing well week in and week out, and I think same same goes for me with the games. It's like it's I'll be able to get there if week in and week out and these World Cups go well and and I show up and and put out good results and and um I'll be fortunate to make it there if if that's what I do. So that's really the the goals are to do well at the World Cups and I mean really do well at every race like we all want to do when we show up every weekend. Mm-hmm. Week in and week out. So yeah, just really focused on, I mean, Rock Hill coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And then I think it's Manchester after that. Yeah. But yeah, just focus on those. I mean, really focus on what's right in front of me and, and kind of just watching my son grow and, and being with him really is, is, um, really what I'm focused on kind of day to day and, and what I do. If it's windy and Rock Hill again, I hope I'm behind you to draft. <laughs> oh gosh, that was that was kind of that was crazy. That was super cool. We all kind of pulled brakes, and you came jumping. That was pretty funny. I had to throw that in. Uh, no, yeah, but something else. Yeah, something else I was curious about. Curious about was you've always been somebody that's kind of been a little quieter, like kind of stick to yourself and just kind of does your work. And I really respect that. But I've always been curious, like nowadays living in such a social media based world, like does that um, does that hurt you with any sponsorship deals? Um, I would, to tell the truth, yes, I, I believe it does. But, um, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's oh, not yeah. why I race BMX. I yeah. mean, when I started racing and why I fell in love with, with this sport was for the, com- the competitive nature in, I mean, the love of, I mean, family, the people I've met, the people in the sport, that's, that's why I love it. And I, I don't feel like, I mean, I don't feel like I need social media to reach out to the people closest to me or the people that, that have inspired me or things like that anywhere around the sport. I just don't feel like, like, um, 
reaching out on social media that way is going to do anything really for me. It's, it's crazy that, that, um, that's kind of the way we've went nowadays with social media and, and things like that. Just, um, how there's so much money and so much emphasis put on posting day in and day out your kind of your life on, on the internet. (laughs) Um, kind of what kind of what kind of value that these um these um companies will put on that rather than having like being based on the result or kind of your presence at the track with with the riders or the families which a lot of companies don't necessarily see which is kind of sad that um a lot of the bigger companies or things like that they don't really go to the bmx races so they don't really see the interaction you get they just see your social media interaction which which definitely I mean you guys know and I'm sure everybody knows I'm pretty I'm pretty quiet on that. But um yeah, I'm sure I've gotten in trouble or either lost deals or things like that just from um the social media realm. But um like I said, at the end of the day that's that's not why I race BMX and and um I've met a wife, I've um made lifelong friends and have great friends in the sport of BMX and not from social media, so if if that's how it's going to be, then <laughs> then I'll keep it that way. I don't. Yeah, I, uh, yeah man, I think you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I mean, like I said, money wise, it's it's probably hindered me for sure with sponsorship deals or things like that. But um, I definitely. Um, I bet you live a better life. Well, while I'm at the track and things like that, I I mean, I try to show my worth and my presence and things like that. And I feel like the, at the end of the day, having a personal inner interaction with either a fan or somebody or a friend or at the track is is worth more than than somebody seeing i mean what i did what i ate today or how much i lifted yesterday or my sprint time or what <laughs> what my bike's looking like nowadays um yeah i think i definitely think just like human interaction face to face or something like that definitely means a lot more to me and i hope to anybody else than then I'm just seeing my posts online where um where yeah I definitely don't do too much but um I w- I would like to get a little more involved don't get me wrong I just um yeah I just really I with Grayson and having him and and um just been and super busy with things at home building a shop and doing track stuff and and whatever yeah I just it's so hard it's not that I don't want to do social media or that I I dislike it. It's like, it's, it's the fact that I just, I don't pull my phone out or I don't, I just don't take photos of things. It's like, I I don't know. I I don't know if I'm just old school or like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I kind of, if there's, there's something that I did or went on or, or whatever, I try to just, I try to experience it and just, I mean, take a photograph in my mind with it and, and put it on my heart and my head rather than putting it on social media, you know, or trying to trying to capture it on my phone rather than capturing it in my heart and kind of being with me as a personal experience. That's that's kind of how I roll nowadays. But um, yeah, every once in a while, I'll kind of get that itch or be like, oh, this would be cool to post this photo or post this or that. There's sometimes I kind of get that loneliness and I'm like, yeah, I'll post and kind of satisfy the sponsors and things like that. Because I I mean, we all know nowadays that's, that's an obligation to do. um, But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's part of the, part of the gig, I guess. And 
no, I do. I do my best. It's, I don't know how long it is. I guess once every couple months, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I try. It's not that I don't try. It's just, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I just don't, I guess I just don't ha- really have content to, to put up is, yeah. is my thing. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. Yeah. You know what though? You know, I do like social media for one reason because we got you on the show finally. <laughs> We've been trying for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while for sure. But with a family like that, I'm sure, like yeah, it's you don't need to be on your phone all no, the time. No, yeah, just you live, live a happy life. life. You do your thing. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, Corby, we got some uh, quick shot questions for you. So basically, they're just short answer questions. Whatever kind of comes first to your mind, just yeah, answer quick, quick, quick questions. <laughs> all right. All right, first one. Uh, favorite track? <laughs> Not an easy one to start off with. <laughs> we should really move this one down the list. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, Rock Hill. Okay, first, okay. I have, <laughs> no, no, no. Not, nothing about Rock Hill. Nothing, nothing about Rock Hill. I just thought favorite track. I just... I got to ask a question. This isn't a quick shot. I just thought of it. Okay. So before the World Cup in Chula in 2013, did you try and go two in the rhythm section in uh, on the London track? Did you try and go two in and then triple or pull triple or something and break your cranks? No, it was, it was yeah, it was pull. Pull was triple. Pull yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe you tried that. And blew out both of my pedals trying that. Oh, my God. Okay, so what, what enormous. What made you want to do that? Just why not? <laughs> Um, gosh, I've, I've always loved jumping like super big triples or like doing crazy lines yeah, yeah, in the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, And, um, that one had been there for a while and I kind of eyed it. I'm like, geez, that thing's got a big lip on it. I'm, I think I could get close. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> and there was a, there was a tailwind that day. And I was like, I today's the day, baby. <laughs> yeah. I was like, today's it's it. So I gave it a couple runs. <laughs> And I don't, I forgot exactly what race that was before or something. We're at a camp. Yeah. The world cup uh, that year, I think. Yeah. But yeah, that day that we had a tailwind and I'm like, I think this is the day. And I'd given it a couple runs and I decided I wasn't going to do it. I was like, nah, probably not. It's, it's big. And, um, the funny Brooke crane was on top of the hill and I'm down there debating it. And she yells from the bottom, like, do it, you pansy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, she's she's calling me out. She's telling me to do it. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm just going to send it. Somebody, they're, they're telling me I'm scared. So, yeah, I just, I went and I didn't have near enough pop. Like, I pulled the roller <laughs> and just went straight. I didn't get any air and I don't even, just landed on the backside of the third one and just bent my cranks, blew out. Both the time springs both went e- <laughs> <laughs> straight <laughs> frame case pedals. today. Yeah, the frame. I mean, nothing broke other than the cranks and the pedals, but yeah, that was gnarly. People, Someone people don't realize how big that. Yeah, was. Yeah, that was before the World Cup. There, the first year in 2013. And so I think I can't remember who someone told me that, and I'd never seen the track before. So I got there, and then I looked in the third straight, and I was like, I can't believe this fucking guy tried this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was big. It was big. It was. It had to have been close to 50 feet. Oh, it was enormous. And then you have to do a little pull on the roller first and then just pop. Yeah. That's yeah. The roller got me. I think I, if I had like a double before it or something, I think I would have made it. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of that, the Chula Rio track, that one, when you tried, you did the second straight on flats on clip pedals. 
with like a foot wide lane to go in. Is that is that true? Air Jordans. Um. Did you like test it which, out? The shoe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Would, go ahead. Yeah, I tested. I tested both of them. I think like when they did like that crossover thing or when they first built that berm jump that's no, when there they, when they made the first like chula rio track didn't you ride it just in your nikes on times pedals yeah oh yeah. oh my goodness that's insane <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how i did um the one that's there now too i just i did it with just with just flat <laughs> pedals or flat shoes clip pedals do, your foot are doesn't you, move around on, on, the, on the. Are you shitting me? Are you <laughs> your foot doesn't move around on the ties on like on the clip pedals or on the hts um, it does, but that it never bugged me to where I felt it was going to slip off. You're like, a I savage. I love it. <laughs> man, that's, this is yeah. why Corbin's one of the best bike riders in the Dude, world. That's, yeah, man, my yeah, feet would I, blow I mean, off honestly, so I rode, fast. I mean, I rode my, the yard at my parents' house for years and years with, um, like Jordan's Jordan, um, slides and clip pedals. <laughs> no way. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to, I should try to find some photos of me and slides and clip pedals. Yes. If those. you got that, I'm can you sure please post some. it? Yeah. Please post or send them to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck. Let's go back to the quick shots. Yeah. Back to the quick shots. Um, hardest competitor. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. That's, that's a trend. Everyone yeah. says Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any superstitions? Uh, yeah, I think the, the, um, how I put what hand I put my glove on first. Yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Which hand? Right, right first. And then left second. I think I was a left guy. I think I went left glove first. Yeah. I think your superstition was just sliding your wrists on your grips in the gate. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Or like, I do that one too, but I've never thought about it. Yeah. Or like mess with my goggles or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, any uh, supercross or regular? Uh, regular. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is just a fun one. Favorite Netflix show? Jeez, I'm not on Netflix too much. He's got a family, guys. He, he doesn't need to worry about that. <laughs> We'd um, I'll do um, Love Is Blind. <laughs> just watch that. Hey, watch the uh, the new Formula One documentary out. It's really good. Yeah, I heard. Um, I heard it was good. Favorite sport outside BMX? Um, NASCAR. Classic American one. <laughs> what do you want to do after uh, finishing racing? Oof, that's a hard one. Everyone's just like, oh boy, this is a tough one. <laughs> Either real estate or construction of some sort. Okay. Would you rather do a race with three chainring bolts or three stem bolts? That's my favorite question. <laughs> uh, three stem bolts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we have this debate all the time because there's three stem bolts. You just don't case and you're fine. Corbin's the smoothest yeah. rider in the world. He, yeah, he just, just cruises around the track. It's like you have two in there. You got, be fine. You got no chance of the missing chainring bolt. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, next question. If you could... Do one pro or be a pro in any other sport or a dream profession outside of BMX, what would it be? Um, some at some sort of auto driver, F1, NASCAR, something like that. Yeah, that'd be sweet. What would your dream track look like? Um, everything 45 foot plus jumps. I don't want to ride your, your track. 
Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, if you could take any attribute from any elite rider, who or what would it be? I'd take your smoothness, Corbin. Um, I would say Maris's power. That guy was gnarly. Oh, yeah, it was. His two, three. Oh, yes, yeah, so sad. Oh my god, so sad. I still have that Poppin' Doll main when he was an eight in my head. You know, it wasn't fun. I was in seven. <laughs> yeah, you, that's the funny thing too is I remember you were right there. <laughs> you know, what, you know what the sad part is? Like I had a really good start too, and I was. uh like Sam and David were in the, and I was actually like pretty close to those guys down the hill. And Maris is in his own world. <laughs> like yeah. I just had to be in seven that gate. Like, why did yeah. I have to be in seven? <laughs> um, oh, that's too funny. Chipotle or in and out. In and out. Ah, oh, my man. In my and man. Out. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Would you rather do a full lap, uh, on a supercross track with your long seat post in or do Chula Rio, Completely naked, only wearing a helmet and clip shoes. Well, for you, flats. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I would rather do the Rio with flat with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Uh, least favorite thing about BMX racing? <sighs> Social media. <laughs> uh, yeah. Social media. Instagram. Or, <laughs> yeah, social media. You got that one. Uh. Would you rather win an Olympic gold or three world championships? Ooh. Three world. Yeah. An Olympic bronze or like an Olympic silver or bronze or a USA BMX championship? God, you guys are asking tough questions. <laughs> the, the USA BMX championship. I have always loved yeah. that one since I was a young kid. Yeah, you've grown up racing it. Yeah. That's fair. Awesome, man. That's all we got for you. Thanks so much for come on, coming on. It was great to talk to you. And obviously we've known each other since we were kids. And man, I've always been a huge fan of you. And you've always been such a great competitor and um, such a class act. And you're the smoothest rider in the world, I think. And <laughs> man, I'm just, yeah, just paying out the compliments right now. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a big Corbin fan, man. I always have been. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate having me on. And um yeah, get me get me to talk <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather than um, yeah people thinking that I don't post or anything like that and that I <laughs> am kind of just off in a corner. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me be heard and um, yeah, appreciate the time and kind of being able to tell a bit of my story. Yeah. Of course, we're happy to hear it. Yeah, it was, was fascinating to hear it. I'm sure people really like to listen to you, man. So uh, have a good evening, man, and uh, we'll chat to you soon in the next race. Sweet. Take care. Take thanks, care, Carl. buddy. See you later. See ya. Fuck, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. This is why we've been trying so hard to get him on the show. We knew it was going to be this good. I just, he, we don't know anything about the guy. So everything he said is just like, damn, okay, cool. Like it's, it's just listening and learning. Feeling a bit tingly right now. Listening to all that. It, that was an iconic episode. I feel that like. was an iconic. You know what? It was actually really, like I, I told you, like when we were texting before, it's it yeah. kind of, spe it was special for me to have him on just because I've literally known him and raced him my entire life we both have yeah. and we've never really chatted or i don't really know him to be yeah. honest and we've known each other since we were like nine years old yeah, yeah so this fair. was like really special to hear his uh his story yeah it was cool, cool. Yeah, I've always, really and like cool. i said like i meant all the comments i meant, at, meant said at the end like I've, mm. even though he's been my one of my biggest competitors my whole life like i've always been such a big fan yeah i honestly i agree i understand why yeah there's not a lot to say bad about the guy no uh, he's a great racer I mean, really respectful on the track, off the track. Like, he does everything right to me. 
Yeah, and you just watch him on the track. You're just like, wow. Honestly, I could just watch him ride trails, the track. I could looks, watch him flow around Chula Beijing all the all day. He looks like he's not even trying. It's incredible. Like That's, he makes everything look so. If you if no one like if you're non BMX and you watch Corbin, you think BMX is the easiest sport in the world. He's just flowing around like he's he, not even trying. You're like this sport is just well. Look at this guy. He's just not even trying. Seriously, <laughs> he could probably take two stem bolts out and he'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he'd 100 yeah. be fine. I got it. So like obviously, like I said, I always looked up to you guys in that age. So back, I don't know what year it was, but. Uh, I trained with Greg Romero for like a few months, a year maybe, I can't remember. And um, I was staying at Greg's house for like a little bit of time and Corbin was there training and then Herm came and he was training there and we were going up to like a hockey game in Anaheim or something and Greg lived down in, uh, basically down in San Diego. Anyways, so I'm like obviously starstruck by these two guys just being <laughs> around them and I got squished into the back of uh, Greg's Volkswagen. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the back seat between Corbin and Herm, like just trying to like mind my own business, but also being starstruck at the same time, like just holy shit, like this is pretty fucking cool right now. And yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I just thought that was a cool little Yeah, I always looked bit. up David Herman too, because he was a few yeah. years older than me. And yeah, I looked up David just, Herman too. You can just take little things from these people. Yeah, like, for you, sure. Like one of the questions was like, what would you take from any rider? Like, like Herman, I mean, his his second pedal was insane. I'd I'd take that any day. I'd probably take Liam's gate. Liam's gate, yeah. I'd take Liam's gate, yeah. Yeah. Sam's mentality. Like his just overall drive. I mean For sure, yeah. Corbin's smoothest around the track. Like mm-hmm. it's just some of the the best in the world at what they at that specific thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was it really just, cool. It, it makes me want to go ride my bike and just try to imitate Corbin. Yeah. I, mean, I always like we make jokes like we try to imitate people on the track, like I always try to do Corbin style just because it's just fun to ride just, that smooth. It's just it's like, like really smooth, controlled, nothing jerky, nothing effortless. No, it's just easy, simple. It's, yeah. It's crazy to see how crazy that he goes as fast as he does sometimes with the least amount of, the least amount of movement he has on the bike. He just keeps it basic. Like he stays central on his bike. He moves back and forward when he has to, but he just stay central, move when you have to. Don't, you don't have to move extra and yeah, it's just basic. It's yeah. simple and it works. Yeah. It's smooth. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. That was cool. Yeah. That was I was cool. going to ask him about the coronavirus, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. I wonder what he thinks about it. We yeah. should ask. That's too bad. <clears throat> he's probably kind of thinks the same. He's probably thinking the same kinds of things we're thinking. Yeah. Like every BMXer. Yeah. True. Like you said, I, I feel like with his mentality now, like it seems like he's probably okay with whatever happens. Yeah, exactly. He's with his family. He gets totally. to ride his bike. He's going to move on and race still after. He's had, so. hell, he's had a hell of a career. So, like, I'm sure if it, you know, he, if he does you know accomplishes more cool and if not he's probably happy with it too yeah i think that's an awesome attitude to have Ever really cool yeah yeah uh anything else before we wrap this thing up uh no i mean fuck i don't have anything else to talk about now <laughs> you guys should see our merch coming i we've said oh, it for like merch. the past couple shows but no like, merch is merch ready. is coming merch is coming you yeah. people be patient we are just waiting <laughs> on a couple uh shipments but i posted about my iphone case the other day so we got all different cases for all for all iPhones and Androids and stuff, plus yeah. a variety of other shit that's coming out. Yeah. It's good. The iPhone case is really good, people. I got like the more heavy duty one and it's honestly, it's one that I would buy in the store. Yeah. If you don't like it though, don't get mad at us. It's not our fault. No, it's, it's good. I don't yeah. know why you wouldn't like it. It's yeah, good. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, we already got a guest next week. Should we drop him? Yeah. He might well, Industry yeah. show, Rich Pelton. Yeah. I think it's the first time we've had yeah, Rich Pelton come on. Um, I mean, tangent's pretty prominent in the uh, social yeah, media world. It's going to be cool. Yeah, it'd be good to hear uh, like a little bit of a different story. Yeah, Rich does a really good job. Like Tangent does a really good job of covering the races and their riders and stuff. It's going to be cool to talk to him because, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think a lot of people can learn from them. And it's kind of cool. Like I think there's, at least in the U.S., there's two big parts companies. There's Answer BMX and there's Tangent. 
Yeah. And we're getting one of the two on. So I think that's really cool. That'll be cool. So yeah. look forward to next week chatting to Rich. Good yeah. dude. Really good dude. Really good dude. Yeah. yeah. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Awesome. We'll see you next week, Chatter fans. Enjoy this podcast. This was like, you have icon. This was an iconic one. Yeah, this is that one. Like we have, like like Sam's was really iconic. Yours was iconic. Yeah, we've had really, we've We've had had some really good ones. Brooks was too. Yeah. Yeah, we've had some. We could name all the top pros basically. Sylvan, no, fuck that guy. No, fuck that guy. We don't like that guy because I had to. I hate that guy. Seriously, do it again. Yeah, what? Again? Okay, yeah. I hate that guy. Just to get my point across. I hate that guy. I don't even know why we had him on. I hate that guy. I don't know why we had him on. I don't know. That's stupid. Never again. Yeah. (laughs) All right, bye, people. See you later. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? I hate that guy. Are you shitting me?